The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Let me give you an update on Zoe. She got to come home on Friday, so thank you to all of you who um, you guys were praying for us, ministering to us, uh, bringing us meals and stuff, and that was just awesome. We were encouraged by um, the kindness and generosity. She was diagnosed with um, Crohn's, and so um, we have that to deal with, but thankfully it's not a life-threatening disease, and we're encouraged that uh, we got to come home and and just really reminded of, um, in our experience of being there for a week, of all of the families who are dealing with a a terminal illness, a long-term illness, and and going back and forth for uh, sometimes years, and so uh, just really important role for us to minister to folks who are caught in that capacity. I know that uh, we certainly appreciated it. The, the meals were, were awesome, so thank you for that. Um, and even though she's home, you can keep doing that if you'd like. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it, it's good to, to have her home, and thank you uh, for the, all the encouragement. Uh, have you ever been between a rock and a hard place? And you get between a rock and a hard place, and you, something's got to give, generally, when you find yourself there. And we, we know what that saying means. Um, as a matter of fact, we'll often say it to excuse ourselves, and we'll, we'll say maybe we couldn't make an event, or we didn't make an a, appointment, or we did something, and we know somebody else was let down, and we just say to them, man, I, I'm sorry, bro, but I was, I was between a rock and a hard place. And we say that because we know that the person, well, I know if you were between a rock and a hard place, you had to do something, and, it, and maybe it wasn't what you want to do, but I understand you had to make the decision that you had to make. So psychologically, that, that uh, term, that phrase, between a rock and a hard place, is very um, encouraging to us, very powerful, very comforting to us to be able to utilize. Um, but it can be a tough place to find ourselves in, and we really don't like it. And so today, as we look at um, Saul, we're going to see Saul and, and, and his continued fall, but we see the rise of Jonathan. And Jonathan is an interesting character in the Bible because um, we know of him that, that he, man, he was best friends with King David. We see today that uh, Jonathan, he, we see why he's such a cool dude. We see why he was so connected to David, and we see Saul's further decline. And we learn some lessons along the way that help us to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, good. Glad Shay's here. Uh, <laughs> and so but that's what we want to do is we want to we learn some lessons to help us follow Jesus as we look into the Word. Hopefully it's powerful. Hopefully it's convicting over some things that we may not be doing. Hopefully it's very encouraging in some things that we are doing. And we go, man, man, I'm getting that one right. I'm thankful for that. And here's an area I can grow. And that's hopefully what's going on in your life as uh, you're being taught the Word. But what we do see today is that Jonathan intentionally Everybody say intentionally. Jonathan intentionally gets between a rock and a hard place. He puts himself there. And so turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14, and we'll continue the story of uh, the fall of Saul. The last verse of chapter 13, and I'm going to give you some, like, you got your worship folder there. And just be ready, because some of these, these first, uh, what is it, one, two, three, about five or six, they're coming fast, okay? And I'm not slowing down. Probably won't comment on them a lot. They'll come as I tell the story. 
says that now a, a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass at Michmesh. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor. It's kind of like your bodyguard. This is kind of somebody you pick, like that you trust, somebody you want with you close by. And so he says um, uh, to his armor bearer, he says, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Now, most of the time we say, what is going on there? That's not, that's not good. But there's a reason he didn't tell his father. And the reason he didn't tell his father in this situation, I think, is because he knew his father wasn't listening to the Lord, and his father was going to try to shut him down. And so he's just like, man, his heart is beating hard for the Lord. So what's his dad doing? So Jonathan is saying, let's go see what's going on over here and see what the Lord's up to. He didn't tell his dad because his dad was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. He's hanging out under a shade tree when the Philistines were all around. And so, like, he's not doing anything but staying comfortable and cozy underneath the shade tree in the hot weather. And it says that with him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod, which tells us he was a priest. And he was a son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. And no one was aware that Jonathan had left. Nobody knew Jonathan was gone. So there's 600 people there hanging out. Saul's got him a nice set up there under the shade tree, probably as guys that he's the king, and they're probably bringing him water when he wants water and food when he wants food. And he's probably just over there working himself up, not really sure what to do, but he's going to be comfortable while he is in that place of uncertainty. Well, meanwhile, Jonathan has made his way, and it says on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sina. And one cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other to the south toward Geba. Now what's interesting is that one of these terms means rocky, craggy place. And the other one means thorny place. So this one's covered all in thorns and, and bushes, and it's hard to get up. And this one is a very dangerous one to scale. It's filled with rocky crags. And so here Jonathan is looking at the outpost there in the midst of this pass, and he is literally between a rock and a hard place. And what does he do? Jonathan says to the young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised fellows. Now, why does he say uncircumcised? Why all this talk about uncircumcision and circumcision in the Bible? Well, it was a mark of the covenant that God had made with the Israelite people. And so there was a promise that came down to this nation of Israel, and it was a mark of the covenant that they had with God. And so whenever he refers to them, not just as Philistines, but uncircumcised Philistines, we see David doing the same thing. He is establishing, he is announcing, he is proclaiming that these people are not a part of the covenant of God. They are not living out the promise of God. Now, you could be a Gentile and not be a Jew and still be a person who was living out 
the promise of God. You just had to agree to follow as the Jewish people were teaching you how to follow the Lord. And so it wasn't a racist comment. It was a comment about here, there are people that are outside the covenant promises of God. And I find encouragement in that because I see this a lot. I see a lot of times that people are doing things to manipulate situations and they are not within the covenant promises of the New Testament of calling us to follow the Lord, and they're following themselves. And so ironically, not ironically, sovereignly, I should say, we see in the Old Testament, in the history of the nation of Israel, through, through Saul and Jonathan, father and son, we see a comparison of what can happen in the kingdom. A person can be a part of the kingdom. They can be there walking and talking and sounding like they're a part of the kingdom, but things are really messed up in their life and they're not really living according to the promises and the truths of the word, right alongside of people who are. And so Jonathan says, let's go over there and let's see what these guys are up to. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or few. That, my friends, is faith in action. Over here, underneath the pomegranate tree, is his father living in a comfortable, cozy place. And out in the midst of the past, between the rock and the hard place, intentionally, is Jonathan seeing what the Lord is up to. So there's a difference in the way that you can live your life. You could be comfortable and cozy and try to act, fake it through the kingdom and act like you're just walking through the kingdom the way you're supposed to be and you're really not listening to the Lord at all. Because when you start listening to the Lord, if there's anything that I can tell you about following Jesus is you will find yourself over and over and over again between a rock and a hard place. Like the, the longer you follow him, the more you follow him, the more you realize following Jesus is all about staying between a rock and a hard place. And that's what I love about what Jonathan is doing is he is intentionally putting himself between a rock and a hard place and accepting a high challenge life to follow the Lord in all of the obedience that he's called him to. So we see faith in action. And so he says, the Lord, he says, what can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or few? Now, look at the contrast. There's 600 guys. Two of them have left, so 598 are hanging out in the comfortable, cozy place underneath the shade tree with the king. And these two guys have gone out on their own to see what the Lord is up to. And the armor bearer says, do all that you have in mind, as armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. That, my friends, is faith's attraction. Like whenever you get serious about following Jesus and you nail down a commitment and you say, you know what, I'm not going to be like everyone else and live the comfortable, cozy life. And, and my faith is not going to be about a religious experience for me that makes me feel good, that I can go to a place and just sort of feel better about myself because I went on Sunday but my life is going to be marked by the power of the Holy Spirit moving in my life, and, and I'm going to be obedient to Jesus to fulfill the calling he has on, in my life out in the, in the uh, marketplace. And whether, whatever you do, whether it's a school teacher or, or running a business or whatever, understand your faith should be in action there. Your faith should always be in action. And so like he, 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 he does that, Jonathan does that, and look what he has with him, a person who says, I'm with you heart and soul, bro. He's like, let's get it, boy. You know, like, like I love that about this armor bearer. He's not like, oh, I don't know, bro. 
<laughs> There's only two of us. Maybe we should go back and get a few of these other guys. He doesn't do that because he's, he's thinking like the guy he's walking with. And he's realizing, man, the, this guy loves the Lord and he's, he's, he's trying to see what the Lord is up to and he believes that the Lord will save us regardless. It's the same kind of speech we see out of David later in chapter 17. And this is why Jonathan and David were so connected as friends. And so Jonathan said, come then. We will cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. That's faith's anticipation. Like, like he, he gets there, he puts it in action. He's like, let's just see what's going on. He, we see faith has an attraction that people like, like bind are going to be around us. And then we see faith uh, in, 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 uh, faith's anticipation in this moment because he says, look, man, if they say this, then we will do that. Like if, if they say we're coming down after you, we'll know that the Lord doesn't want us to do anything. But if they say come up, we're going up. And so there is an anticipation that the Lord is going to do something if they see this happen. And I see in that, I'm reminded of the fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruit of the Spirit is discernment. We're able to recognize. Recognize what? The Lord's will. You say, well, yeah, but he used this sign. Are we supposed to use signs? Like he said, if they say this, we'll do that. And if they say the other, we'll do this thing. Well, no, we don't have to do that because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and through prayer and through the reading of the word, then the Lord will lead us in how we can make good decisions. And I believe there is an impressing of the Holy Spirit that is telling us what we ought to do, what we ought to say, where we ought to go, how we ought to operate in every situation. And so the Holy Spirit is in us doing the same thing that they're getting this confirmation by. And so he says um, in verse 11, (laughs) So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Not a good battle strategy. Like, this is not what you do. You're outnumbered already. There's only two of you. There's a whole outpost up there. And so like, whoa! You know, they just step out in the middle of the pass. And I don't know if they're taunting them or what, but they let them know, we are right here. And so they show themselves, and what we see in that is faith's audacity. Like, when, whenever you really start to live out your faith, you will have some aud, uh, audaciousness about yourself. You will step into things, and people will look at you and say, man, that, that's pretty bold right there what you did. Because that's what the power of the Lord unleashed in your life begins to lead you to do, is bold things for the Lord. And so the Lord calls us into obedience. He calls us to surrender our lives. And often at the end of the service, we'll say, hey, does anybody want to give their life to Jesus? We ask you to raise your hand. And it's kind of an initial step of boldness where you step in and go, man, I want to be audacious enough to say, I want to raise my hand and say, Jesus, you can have my life. And then what do we do after that? We say, man, if you give your life to Jesus, one of the audacious things that that a person ought to do is get baptized. He says, repent, believe, and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And that's audacious, and it's weird, kind of. Like, r- really, it is. I'm going to get behind a guy that I don't know real well. I'm going to get in a pool of water with him, and he's going to take, and I'm going to put my hand over my mouth, and he's going to let me dunk. He's, I'm going to let him dunk me underwater. Like, one of the things you do in a swimming pool is you don't let anybody dunk you. But yet in this, the Lord is calling us to do that as a mark of confession and, and a witness that the old life is gone and the new life has come. And so we're, we're telling 
people that I'm dying to my old self. We're basically saying, yeah, man, I had the audacity to raise up and surrender my life to Jesus, and I'm audacious enough to be baptized and let you know I'm serious about following him. And so we, we see in that that, that there's, there's audacity in faith. Well, that, that's not to stop after your baptism. It just keeps on going, man. And, and so whenever the Lord asks us to do things and we know the Lord is leading us down a road, there ought to be some uh, audacity in our lives to believe that the Lord is in things and we don't have to be worried about him protecting us. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are, cr- are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. And the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. And so Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into our hands. Man, he's just like, come on, bro. And so Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet and with his armor bearer right behind him, the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In the, that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. And that, my friends, is faith's accomplishment. Ten to one, they took them out. They scaled either the rocky place or the thorny place. We don't know. But they scaled one of them. Both of them would have been difficult to climb, and most of us would have said, well, I would go up there and do something for Jesus, but I just can't get up that mountain. That's kind of the way we live because we're living in a place of fear. And the Lord has called us to this place of obedience who says, men, you... I will do exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ask or think if you're, if you're following me. And when we get there, man, we, we start living that way and we have that, that kind of bold faith that we're walking with the Lord in obedience and he's leading us and we're, we're listening to his voice as Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, they know my voice, they listen to me and they follow me. Then we start experiencing the accomplishment of faith in our life, which takes us down a cycle of development spiritually where we're growing and we're becoming more and more like the Lord. And, and there's, our lives are marked by the power of the Lord as he's moving in our midst. And so we see faith's accomplishment. Now, what, this, is, this is really cool. And you go, wow, man, look at that. 10 to 1. That's, 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 a, that's a pretty good defeat there. Verse 15. Then panic struck the whole army. Watch this. Those in the camp and the field and those in the outpost and raiding parties and the ground shook. An earthquake. It was a panic sent by God. That, friends, is faith's approval. It is the favor of God resting on an obedient life. As a person takes a step of faith and walks in obedience to the Lord, then we see the favor of the Lord coming upon the person. And not only did they defeat the 20 that were in this particular place, all the other outposts had a, a panic that went about them. The, the people in the camp, the people in the field, the, the raiding parties that were out in those other three areas that we talked about last week, they all had this panic that happened in their midst, and they're freaking out, okay? Because the Lord has stepped into a moment where a person has exercised faith and obedience, and they're following him. Now, watch what takes place. Saul, meanwhile, is back under the pomegranate tree. 
His lookouts at Gibeah in verse 16 says, um, and Benjamin saw the army melting away in, in, in all directions. They're like looking and they're going, what is going on? They're watching the Philistines. They, they've been worried that they were going to die. They're hanging out, trying to stay comfortable and cozy. And all of a sudden, all of the Philistines are melting away. And then Saul said to the men who were with, with him, muster the forces and see who has left us. He didn't even know his boy was gone. And when they did, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, that's the priest, Bring the ark of God, which is what you're supposed to do. This is what the king was supposed to do. The ark of God represented the presence of God. Remember when he told Moses to build the ark and God would descend and uh, uh, ascend from the ark of God when it was time for them to move the camp. And so we see the presence of God, like he wasn't, the Holy Spirit wasn't living in people during this time like he was now. And so it was all happening in the midst of this ark and it's how the Lord communicated with them. So he says, bring the ark of God. At that time, it was with the Israelites. And while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the Philistine camp increased more and more. And so Saul had told the priests, bring the ark of God and start seeking the Lord and see what he wants us to do. And so they did that very thing. And then the battle's like raging and they see it's more and more of a defeat. And what does he say? So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. It's a sad day in Saul's life. I'm reminded of uh, the battle of Joshua when he's down in the valley and Moses is up on top of the mountain and God said, I want you to get up on top of that mountain and raise your hands and pray. And, and, and Moses prayed and he was getting so tired that there were two guys who come and held his arms up because every time his arms went down, they started losing ground. But every time his arms were up in symbology to the Lord and the people looked up and saw Moses talking to God, they were advancing and taking the ground. And so what was going on with Saul when he says, withdraw your hands instead of doing the very thing that he should have been doing and still talking to the Lord, even if he never made it over the battle, you want to know why he wanted to get down there? I'm going to go get some of that for myself. It's going to be my battle. He was filled with pride. He was so disconnected from the Lord. He tells the priest to quit praying in the midst of being able to obviously see that they were winning the battle. And then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle, and they found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. And those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up um, with them to their camp went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. What's going on there? There were, there were some turncoats in the midst of the Philistines. Some of the people were scared to death when all that attack went down and they ran. Remember, they ran off and, and some went and hid. Well, some of them joined the Philistine army. And so when they saw that this was happening, they rejoined Israel. And so when all the Israelites who had been in the hill country, all of those who were hiding um, in the hill country of Ephraim, heard the, uh, or, uh, heard the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So the Lord, who the Lord rescued Israel that day, and the battle moved on beyond Beth-Avon. So, wow, man. There is a lot going on in this chapter. Like, I'd never seen it until I started getting ready to teach it, just really reading over it, and the Lord's sharing it with me and showing me some things. And I'm like, man, there, there's a whole lot going on here. So, so what do you do with that? I, well, I've shown you, um, like, biblically, like, there's nothing new here. Faith needs to be in action. 
We see when it is in action, there's attraction. We see that it needs to have some anticipation of what God's going to do, and that will help you to be audacious, and then you'll have accomplishment and God's approval. But here's what you need to understand. When we look at these two people, we see our action is always determined by our spiritual health. Your actions, what you do this week, where you go, what, you, what commitments you keep or don't keep, what decisions you make or don't make, what, what things you decide to do or not to do. Our actions are always determined by our spiritual health. Saul was living the comfortable and cozy life afraid of challenge. Jonathan was laying down his life for the Lord's kingdom. It's a big difference in the two people. Jonathan exhibited faith in action. Saul was caught up in human reaction. So Jonathan, like he was believing that the Lord was in it and he was looking to see what the Lord was doing. Saul was just waiting. And then when he saw something, he reacted to it. Spiritual health, not only um, do we see that, that, that spiritual health, and this is so important, is influenced by those you surround yourself with. Okay? Now watch this. Saul had chosen Ahijah to be his priest. Ahijah was the relative of Ichabod, the grandson of Eli, the rejected priest of God. Remember, Shay was teaching you that this summer while I was on sabbatical. And so Saul chose a man to be his priest whose name he was related to glory gone. That's Ichabod. That's who he chose to be his spiritual advisor. Jonathan chose someone whose heart beat for the Lord. Saul chose a priest who was related to glory gone. God's glory gone. And so here's what you need to understand. What I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't choose to be around some people who don't know the Lord. Like you could never introduce people to the Lord if you're not around people who don't know the Lord. But I am saying, if you don't surround yourself with some people who are caught up in the work of the kingdom, you will not be caught up in the work of the kingdom. If all you're doing is coming to church and that's the most relationally you're investing in with kingdom people, you will not be consumed with the kingdom. You will be consumed with everything else. And so the more you get involved with people who are consumed with the kingdom, the more you're going to be consumed with the kingdom because you're going to have this thing going on, two hearts beating as one, battling together. If you don't, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be like Saul and you're going to be caught up in your kingdom. Here's the difference between the two. Jonathan was caught up in um, the Lord's kingdom and what he could accomplish it for. And Saul was caught up in a kingdom that he thought the Lord appointed him for like his kingdom. See, Saul was making it about his kingdom. Jonathan was making it about the Lord's kingdom. And that's the same thing that happens in the world today is people make it about these two different kingdoms. See, uh, you know, you're, everybody has a kingdom or a queendom, okay? And when we say surrender to the Lord, we're saying lay down your kingdom or queendom and take up Jesus's kingdom and let him lead you and become part of that kingdom. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. One step of faith can begin a chain of events that lead to amazing spiritual breakthrough. One step. Like, do you think Jonathan knew that all of this other stuff was going to happen when he took that step of faith? He just was believing that the Lord was going to protect him. And in the midst of that, 
All of this stuff happens. So faith-filled initiative leads to the Lord's saving action. When you have faith-filled initiative and you're walking in obedience, you will see the saving action of the Lord. Saul, we see on the other hand, is fear-inspired disobedience, and it dishonored the Lord. So fear kept him from moving forward. He was staying in the comfortable, cozy place, and he just convinced himself that's where he should be. And so what happens is he disobeys what the Lord really wants him to do, and he brings dishonor to the Lord. Jonathan, on the other hand, has fearless faith, and he brings honor to the Lord, and the Lord brings favor into his life, and we see a spiritual breakthrough. Here's the big idea for you today. The battle is the Lord's. The belief is ours. You've got to believe that the Lord will use you in the midst of the battle, and you've got to step into that belief. You've got to walk away from the shade tree, man. And get between a rock and a hard place with the Lord to where he needs to show up and help you in the midst. And that was is the very thing that will cause you to continue to call out to him in faith to help you in the midst. And then you will start to see movement. You will attract other people around you who have the same kind of thinking that you do because the Lord's people are all around us. The Lord is making hungry people everywhere. That's why he said, blessed are those who are hungry for righteousness, for they shall what? Be filled. And he will bring us together where two or three are gathered in my name. There I will be in the midst with them. Two hearts beating together, um, beating as one and battling together. And so we see it over and over in the scripture. And so what is the Lord calling us to do? Trust and obey. What we see in this story is that when Jonathan stepped up, the Lord stepped in. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.